Oh, man. You made friends with them. See, friendship is the booze they feed you. Because they want you to get drunk and feeling like you belong. Well, it was fun. Because they make you feel cool. And hey, I met you. You are not cool. I know. Even when I thought I was, I knew I wasn't. Because we are uncool. No, while women will always be a problem for guys like us, most of the great art in the world is about that very problem. You good-looking people, they got no spine. Their art never lasts. And they get the girls. But we're smarter. Yeah, I can really see that now. Because yeah, great art is about you know, guilt and longing and... You know, love disguises sex, and sex disguises love. Hey, let's face it. <laughs> yeah, you got a big head start. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. Me too. You're doing great, yeah. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to him, be honest and unmerciful. Slice and dice number 19. One nine. The big one nine. These are coming more frequently now. And they will come more frequently now that real movies perhaps are starting yeah, to <clears throat> get out there. We're getting out of the winter doldrums, the, mm. the the dark time of year. It'd be one thing if we'd actually get the all the Oscar caliber films. We don't necessarily get them all up here. There's well, some... we get them, but we get them later. Right, we uh, or we just have to scramble around and find them by other means. Fortunately, this year I I pretty much caught up with everything I needed to see early this year. No, you've been on top of it. Actually, you may actually need a few refreshers before you get into the Oscar season. Yeah, well, for for all I need is is in two weeks when we do our Oscar podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll have uh, I have a lot of ideas what I'm where I'm leaning towards, uh, but I'll have a couple surprises as usual. I think. You know? We're talking the big six. We're not talking. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not yeah. talking for best short film about prostitutes nah, in Guyana. No, okay. no, I, I, correct. Okay, correct. Well, unfortunately, we have to start this one out with some somber news: uh, the death of Philip Seymour Hoffman. We that lost is a great. All sorts of fucked up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, we were talking earlier, it's like, you know what, celebrity deaths happen all the time, some of them take you, take you by surprise, I mean, so, you know, things like Michael Jackson, those are, because they go young, they, they, they go out, 
unexpectedly. You don't expect a 50-year-old man to just die, uh, especially mm. somebody that's that that iconic and whatnot. But still, you don't. You either have a connection with somebody or you don't have a connection with somebody. Michael Jackson was shocking because he, you know, he's part of the 80s. He was part right. of that thing. Amy Winehouse, eh, didn't care. No, and honestly, I think most people saw it coming with Amy Winehouse. She she was certainly a, a bit of a train wreck. Sure. Then I look back to last year when uh, when Corey Monteith died at age like 29 mm-hmm. um, of heroin and a heroin overdose. And sure, it's shocking. It's shocking in that a 29-year-old guy died That's the way heroin. I felt when we lost Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> yeah, sure it was. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it, but even with Corey Monteith, it's like, well, you know, that's tragic. That's too bad. He seemed like a decent guy and whatnot. But, you know, it didn't It didn't have a profound impact. This one hurts for it, some it, for some odd reason. It, this <sighs> one bugs me more than another. And maybe it's just because we lost a guy that had such an amazing gift. He, he, to me, is arguably one of the better character actors we have right now. Well, we had. Right. Um, and, and some of the work he's done is just amazing. And he's one of those people that a lot... If you said Philip Seymour Hoffman, not everybody would know the name, but they know the face. They've seen him in something. And he's memorable in everything he does. Well, and that's just it. It's like, no matter what, how bad a movie is or what, and, and how long he's in it, you will remember that he was in it. Right. And I, and I look back to, like, the first time I remember seeing him was in Twister. Yep, and it wasn't a big part; it was a side part, but it was a memorable character. Yeah, he, and he was made one of it them. memorable. Scotty J in Boogie Nights. Another, I loved him in that role. Sure, but again, he didn't have ten minutes of screen oh, time. No. But he owned the ten minutes he was in, and you just look at his career all the way through, and, and you know what an immense talent we had here. Um, and, and this one's shocking too, in that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we knew that in the past he had had some substance abuse problems, but all reports say he was clean for over twenty years, mm-hmm. and he's he's still out there doing great work, like in the Master or in the Hunger Games and in all sorts of stuff. So you don't see this coming. And then all of a sudden, you just fire up the internet one day, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's oh, dead. Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny you word it that way because literally, I, when I found out, it was around one thirty in the afternoon on Sunday, and I was starting to just kind of while the times away, knowing that this I was going to be getting in Super Bowl mood pretty soon. Yeah, and I just okay, well, let me go check IMDb, see what's going on in terms of the box office. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the headline, my first comment was, "Holy shit!" Well, I said, what's going on? I said, we lost, we just lost Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it wasn't 10 minutes later, I got your text with just two words, and it was yeah. so well-spoken. <laughs> well, fuck. Yeah. And that, that was literally the way I felt about it. Yeah. Is, uh, I, I, it's such a tragic, tragic loss from somebody that easily had another 20 years of brilliance ahead of him. Yeah, he was only 46, which shocked me in and of itself, because I, I would have put him at least 10 years older. He... he Certainly looked older than 46 to me. Um, But he's younger than I was, so that's just odd. You know, one of the things I really embraced about Philip Seymour Hoffman is as talented as he was, 
He also was normal guy. He he was a little he overweight. He carried himself. He didn't seem douchey. You mean physically? Yeah, physically he was normal dude. Right. He was built like a normal dude. He wasn't Hollywood starve yourself. Wasn't he was his own person? Guys can get away with that more so than we can. Women. Um, yeah. It, it, he always it always he always sort of struck me as just sort of this really intelligent elder statesman yeah. kind of guy. You know, you never heard about this guy outside of his movies. You never did. I could just as easily have pictured him being as a clean politician, as the way he carried himself. There was something very proper about the way he acted in in any role. And any time I saw him in a very sophisticated looking and sounding and stuff. It's just, it's tragic. They were talking about uh, he had one major scene left to film in Mockingjay, and they're just going to do it digitally, which has got to be weird for the people that are in that scene with him. Yeah, I, I would assume it'd be a rough scene for anybody to shoot. Yeah, um, no, it's it's just absolutely tragic. I posted a couple of tributes that I found around the internet on the site the other day, worth checking out. And, You'll remember a lot of those, like, oh, it's right, he was in that. Oh, mm-hmm. God, he was in that. Oh, he was so awesome in that. But I'll always, uh, I think my favorite performance of him is still always going to be Lester Bangs and almost. Oh, it was, it was just, just a great, heartfelt character in yeah. that. Yeah. So on to better news. Well, that's, depends upon where you land on things. Depends, less somber news, we'll put it that way. Um, we have. Our new Lex Luthor and our new Alfred Pennyworth. Let's get the easy one out of the way first. Jeremy Irons as Alfred. All right. Fine. I don't care. Jeremy Irons is older British guy. Right. And that's basically all you need for Alfred. Now, I I really liked the Michael Caine version of Alfred because Michael Caine just seemed more, I don't know, more grandfatherly or something like that. I I never, (laughs) knowing... Jeremy Irons' body of work, he never strikes me, you know, talk about the Borgias and... and um, Jeremy Irons has done as much that comes off a little cheesy, I, I, I don't know how to word it, almost too, not Harlequin romancy, but but almost just old school Brit. In, in the, in the romance uh, and with a whole lot of romanticism to his stuff, mm. I'm not saying romantic roles, but yeah, he does a whole lot of just the old throwback kind of roles. Right. Which for some people, they uh, some people have probably never seen Jeremy Irons in anything, and when he does to try to do mainstream things, this seems almost odd. Again, like in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Well, there was that. I mean, I, I'll, I'll always remember him as um, the villain in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes. Did you ever see Die Hard with a Is that the one you didn't see? I have not seen that one. That just baffles me. I'm not... I, you know, I'll, I'll go on record right now and say I don't get the hype around the Die Hard films. The first one, the first one, I... I, I it's alright. I don't, I don't like... I've never liked Bruce Willis, though. Well, no. Okay. And to be honest, the character he plays... More now, I don't like Bruce Willis. Yeah, I didn't then. I didn't care. Even then, with the whole... Uh, Bruno thing, and yeah. I just always thought there was a very douchey air about him, and that was the character, his McLean character, and to me he, was the same thing. And now we know he, it was it was a douche around the douchiness. And uh, for me, the first one was all about Alan Rickman. He was he was fantastic in that. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, what God Jeremy Irons was also in. What's uh, this is going to sound creepy. The, the, I want to say they, they did a, in the late 90s, what's 
the old book about a guy who falls for a 16-year-old girl. And it's an old, old classic. And I want to say he did a version of it. Was it with the... Losing the girl's name. Keep keep talking. I, I gotta look it up now. It's your topic. I don't know what. Well, just add filler. <laughs> Jeremy Irons was a great actor. Let's go. You can go with that. I'm making carrot cake later. <laughs> Are you? I am. Actually. Are you gonna have cream cheese frosting? Well, it's the only way to make I'm a carrot out. cake. All right. Well, we can just ruin that. <laughs> what kind of frosting should a carrot cake have? Strawberry. Oh God. Look, you gotta put. Uh, Oh, Jesus. Of course, we forgot that Jeremy Irons was in The Lion King. Well, yeah, he was Scar. I didn't forget that. I just had well, to bring it up. Well, you didn't bring it up. Well, no, because you were in the middle of something there. Well, I, yeah, but uh, you could be using this filler right now as our three me- listeners are going, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, clearly you don't know. If you don't, we're into the 19th podcast. If, if you're still listening and haven't figured out that we don't know what the hell we're talking <laughs> about, well, welcome aboard. Oh, send, that's right. He was in the Aragon film. Send, which us, a lot of uh, send us money and uh, give us give us high praise on iTunes. <clears throat> are, you, are you almost there? Uh, getting close. He's done. A, he's done a bunch of shit, dude. Should I play the? Should I put a Jeopardy theme sounder? Lolita. He was in Lolita. That was about a guy who fell in love with a sixteen-year-old. You didn't know oh, that? I didn't watch. Lolita. She may not even be sixteen. Yeah, it's a creepy ass. Played by Dominique Swain, no less. Ah, oh, all right. But it, it, that would have been a nice. Se- well, it is a nice segue into our next topic, but we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Because we actually have uh, pod topics two A and two B. We right. got to get to two B. Right. But yeah, Jeremy yeah, Irons, fine. I mean, it's, it's Alfred. But I know that a lot of people hang so much attention on it just because it's the Batman. Well, thing well, well this is just it. We got to remember, this isn't a. Batman flick. This mm-hmm. is a Batman Superman flick. Which, which some people are suspecting that it's also going to be the early taste of a Justice, Justice League, League film. Right. I, I don't necessarily... I think it's testing the waters and starting to get the pieces together. Speaking of the waters, I hope there's an Aquaman here somewhere. In but I wanna, Justice League? Yeah, but I wanted to go family... Get, well, he's he, he's in the Justice League. No, no, no. I, I mean... You, I was. I didn't know if you meant it, or am I going to throw down an Aquaman joke? No, 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 no. I, Aquaman I want, is a joke. I, I want Aquaman <laughs> in the Justice League movie, but I want him Family Guy style, where he's just standing out there in like waist deep water. <laughs> yeah, well, well, come out here and see <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I actually loved the modern uh, the, the, the reboot, the uh, DC the reboot. Yeah, early on, when he went in, was buying the fish and chips, all the people <laughs> stare at him. And he's there like, you're Aquaman, you're no real hero, you yeah, talk to, you're the guy who talks to fish. Well, they were, trying, they were like all shocked because he's, he's eating fish, and like, like he's cannibalizing, like he's a man, he's not eating man, he's eating fish. And in, in the fish kingdom, they do eat each other, so even, even there's no real, but it was such a great, great take on it. Yeah, it because like, it is such a comical character, like you say, that Family Guy reference is a great one. Yeah. See him sitting out there like, yeah, great, I'll come over here. Right. Well, the uh, the other casting news out of the movie that's uh, definitely getting a little more of a sideways glance. And, you know, I really, to be honest with you, I haven't heard anywhere near the amount of backlash from this as I did when Affleck was announced as Batman. But uh, to be honest, I haven't really gone looking for it either. I think people can under I think people can appreciate where why they landed on this choice. Jesse Eisenberg will be Lex Luthor. 
Um, and now we don't know what context Lex Luthor is going to be in this. If nope. it's if he's going to be the main focus uh, of a, of a nice a uh, super villain of, of sorts here. Um, if he's just a mild diversion, uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, we really don't know enough about this this movie yet to know what what direction it's going to take. So much is right now is just in the early stages, but um, but I like the. I like the choice of Jesse. Eisenberg. I've come around. The more I think about it, I, the the recent portrayals he's had, he does have kind of a a, a disconnected. I'm way smarter than you kind of air, exactly. which for me, for Lex Luthor, I think will work right. because Lex is, never, he has no he's no brawn. He's, he's all brains. brains, and he's sp- spun it into being well. To use an Oz, uh, to use a Watchman term, he's Osmondias. He's basically so smart that he's built this big empire, but it's all because of his brain power. Right. There's no special ability here. No, not at all. Um, yeah, and I look to his his performance in Social Network, especially, uh, and even even he carried himself sort of the same way. And now you see me mm-hmm. in a shitty movie, but he still had the same type of personality in that. Um, and the way he carries his dialogue and his lines just strike me as a dude who can very stern-faced look at you and, you know, just reek that he is way more intelligent than you right. are. And I think that type of trait that he brings uh, is going to fit a character like Lex Luthor. Yep. I don't want to see some just over-the-top, you know, Gene Hackman version of Lex no, Luthor. No, 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 no. No, no, Kevin Spacey was fine, but he, he went... Again. He went all out. And, but I get it, it's because the, there's... Hollywood has this vision of what they believe Lex Luthor should be. So I can appreciate where they're coming from. Uh, but I think that if we're going to work towards a Justice League movie, if they're trying to give fresh takes to these characters, then why not Lex Luthor too? I mean, he yeah. is the Superman villain that most people can name. Sure. So let's let's go with it. And, and if there's any truth to, to the story going around that this movie is going to be about... Batman basically being pissed about what Superman just did to Metropolis and getting some fun. He he has Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor trying to pump money back into rebuilding Metropolis. It could be interesting because, again, now you can really give Jesse Eisenberg a shine to shine. He is a great actor. It's But he, he's he's got one mode. Right. And I think the, the roles have to work for him. I, I can see this one working. Yeah, I agree. Um, so when, earlier when I said we could segue into our next, I was referencing the Lolita plotline of old guy falling for uh, 16 or whatever year mm-hmm. old. Woody Allen. Yeah. A um, lot has come out, especially since he won that Lifetime Achievement Award for the uh, at the Golden Globes. And we know he's had a, you know, a precarious relationship with his ex-wife Mia Farrow and, and her kids uh, for years. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan Farrow, who's in her 20s now, Yes, I want to say, um, the daughter of Woody Allen and Mia Farrow, came out publicly, put an op-ed piece in, or an open letter, I guess what you would say, in, uh, I think it was the New York Times, pretty much laying out in detail allegations of Woody Allen's sexual abuse to her back when she was very young. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it, it's, it's graphic and it's disgusting. Uh, but uh, who knows if it's true. Well, that's just it. It's graphic, it's disgusting, and right now it's nothing more than a story. No one knows what's true and what isn't. And, and I guess, and maybe there's some naivety on, on my part here, I guess that if, if this is true to this extent, how has it never really been investigated? And is this is this the ultimate Hollywood cover-up? Is this one of those things where at the time Mia Farrow may have known about it, but she was living the lifestyle and stuff, so we just brushed over it? Um, or it may not be true at all. Right. We just don't know. My 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 gut instinct tells me that if if you're going to publicly come out and do this, then why are you stopping there? If this is true. Why are you not prosecuting? I, I, I agree. For me, it's a, just a matter of why now? I mean, and, and I get because of the lifetime achievement thing. But what is there to gain? And I, I certainly want the truth to come out. And, and if she truly is a victim, then I, she, she has, she needs then to he heal. he needs to be hung by and his he balls. Need, Exactly. Then it's time to fix the problem. But, but I can't. I can't fully take your side on something like that. And that, like we were saying, that's a slippery slope because you you want to take these allegations seriously, mm-hmm. but there's things that she's doing or not doing that that I can't just jump on her bandwagon here. No. Like I said, you you can make this public knowledge. You clearly, it's clearly not a bravery issue for you at this point because mm-hmm. there it is. You put it out there. So why are you prosecuted? I don't think there's a statute of limitations on sexual abuse. I, I could be wrong. I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, I don't think there is either. And, and I'm going to throw a, a weird idea out there. Because all the priests that they started prosecuting for things happened 20, a year, 20 yeah. or 30 years ago. i got to believe that there is none. Right. Um, but yeah, if, if this is true, if you believe it in your heart of hearts that this is true, what you're, what you're telling the public about this guy then why are you stopping there? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you you putting him on a stand? Why aren't you doing everything you can to try to lock this guy up? Right. Because you, you, the thing is, you've already done the damage. Mm-hmm. So why not just follow through with it? Because uh, you, you've got no other direction to go at that point. Right. Otherwise, both of your credibilities are being, are being questioned at this point. Right. And, and there you have Woody Allen on the other side. Who, yeah, I, I've always... And, and I'm not a big Woody Allen guy. I've enjoyed his last couple of movies mm-hmm. that's been out there, but I've never been a big, big ardent supporter of Woody Allen and his films and that. Um, he's always struck me as, as just this, you know, mealy little weaselly creepy guy. Mm-hmm. But whatever. I mean, he's he's never been charged with anything. He's never been found guilty of anything. If I'm not mistaken, didn't the police even supposedly investigate? A claim against him in the early nineties, uh, and, and, and they but they literally found nothing. Right, that no that they could find no signs that any of it was true. Right. So I guess the question at this point is, should we even even with these allegations from Dylan Farrell that that hang out there, should that stop us from? Giving somebody that big of an honor, and what do you want the Cecil B. DeMille Lifetime Achievement Award at the Golden Globes? 
Should that person that wins that award not have any ambiguity in his life or her life or whoever wins it? Like, no questions, squeaky clean, no allegations or anything like that. Or is that unfair to them? And I'll look at another one. Roman Polanski, who can't even step foot in this no, country. Uh, and and I, I couldn't tell you if he did what he's uh, accused of either. He accused of raping some girl, I believe. Yeah. We don't know if he did that or not. But. All signs, he, considering the way he's gone into hiding. Uh, I, well, he just can't come into this country. Right. He's still making his movies. Yeah. I mean, the last one I remember, and he may have made one since, but. He made The Pianist, which actually won the awards yep. for him. So, if here's a man who's who can't even step foot in this country, but we're honoring him with this country's highest directorial achievement, I think he won for the for the Pianist. I'm almost positive he won for the Pianist for director. I don't remember. I, I know Adrian Brody won the actor. Yeah, I swear he won best director. Anyway. Even the fact that he's nominated for an Oscar. Is Hollywood turning a blind eye to indiscretions on, on these people? Or or is it fair to separate the art from the man? Because maybe I'm hypocritical. Because I will sit here and champion Pete Rose getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame all day long. But now we know for a fact that he did what he was accused of doing. Does that make me a hypocrite? No, but and I'll tell you why. Because what we know he did is, he, Pete Rose, is he bet on games when he was a manager. Right. I have no issue with him being in as a player. Because his playing career is what I look at, not his management career. Okay. So, can you separate... Um, if you found out... That Woody Allen or Roman Polanski were in undoubtedly guilty of what they did. Then I would I could not in any good conscience ever give them some accolade for anything. So so you could separate it for Pete Rose, you can't separate it from these guys. Now granted the the crime at, at stake here is, is a completely different thing. We're not talking Pete Rose didn't murder the soul of, of innocent children. What Pete Rose did was right he and as a manager now if somebody said can he go on as a manager i would say no because he was he was involved in a cheating scandal basically as a manager and i and i have no issue with him being banned from baseball never being allowed to manage because i know for a fact that in every dugout they have a list of rules and that's one of them you cannot bet on the game you can't do anything that would have some kind of effect on the game like that so I, i can understand it but to it, I think it is a, a matter of degrees, though, which you kind of hit on. It, the cheating on it, cheating in baseball. We have no idea how many people have cheated in baseball sure. all along. It, certainly, it's a sport that you could point to that's had a number of scandals, but they only affect people that really follows baseball. Right. When you're talking about rape or some kind of sexual abuse, that you've you've got a victim here. And I had that had no say in what was going on, and, and I can't then give that director a lifetime achievement award because right. they, the past is just too dark, right. and you don't know what other skeletons are going to come popping out of that closet. Right. I, I don't need to see uh, oh, 
what's his last name? I mean, the first name, Jones. Uh, Jeffrey Jones oh, right, right, right. can't do anything ever again. Right. He, 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 the scandal is there. Everyone knows he did it. So done. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you, Hollywood should, if they have, without a doubt, the proof, then that person's career should be over. Should be. Not always the case, though. In this case, out there, it's too great. We don't know. And also, when you're talking about a kid, you don't know what they, the way they remember is what really happened. Well, and you I'll, just don't know. I'll get into that when I get we get into what we watched because there's a movie I watched that has some some similarities to the type of thing we're talking about right now. So yeah, I mean, it's out there. Um, you know, some celebrities have come to his defense. Right now, the only thing I can see is Dylan and Mia Farrow on one side and. A lot, a whole lot of people on the other side, on Woody's right. side here. Uh, and until Woody comes out and actually says, yeah, I did it on his deathbed or something, we're never going to know. Right. Yeah. And that's too bad. Um, that That's really too bad. Um, yeah, it, it's it's, an, it's a, a, a creepy game of he said, she said because there's so much on the line. Yeah. Basically, somebody's entire career in life compared to... A person who was hurt, assuming it was real. Right. You just don't know. So, uh, I would say when I was younger, I was a Tonight Show guy. I liked Carson. Mm -hmm. I liked the Jimmy Carson, Ed McMahon. Johnny uh, Carson. What did I say, Jimmy? Jimmy Carson. I'm, I'm segueing here. Johnny Carson, Ed McMahon, Tonight Show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't watch it religiously. I was a kid. I didn't stay up every night, but it, but it was fun. Um, and then Jay Leno came on, uh, when did he come on? 22 years ago. It was so. in the nineties. Uh, because I, I literally remember watching during the week that. Did he take over yes. for Carson? Though? He used to, he was the fill in for Carson when Carson. I remember that. And he was the immediate successor, but Carson went out on his seemed, own. It just seems like Carson's been gone longer than 22 years. Yeah. yeah it seems it's... like Carson's been gone a whole lot longer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it, Early on, I didn't care one way or the other about Jay Leno. I've never been a Jay Leno guy, especially like in the the 80s, early 90s. I was way more of a Letterman guy until Letterman, Letterman was started edgy. going Letterman. Right. Letterman was edgy in the 80s. I remember people coming into school talking about what Letterman did the night before. Right. Leno, when I heard that Leno was the one replacing, and even when he filled in, the thing with Leno is I remember him as a stand-up comic. Too dry for me. I yeah. just think almost like a, a people love Jerry Seinfeld. I never uh, thought he was that great a stand up comic. He, to me, was the weakest of the four on his own show. Right. Um, and honestly, that show was all about the writing anyway. Right. But Leno, yeah, I think the thing with Leno, though, is he, there's something people seem to warm up to with him, and it makes people, it makes it very well, easy for him to interview. He's charismatic. Right. And, and he's, but, yeah, I've never found him that funny. I've often oh. found him a little full of himself. Yes. And then a few years back with the whole uh, I'm leaving NBC uh. and the Conan O'Brien got hosed over the whole thing, that was sort of a – that sort of did put Leno in a bad light for me because he just seemed like a douche at that point, like an entitled douchebag. You know, it was more what NBC was doing to all right. of them. Right. But anyway, Leno's time has come to a close. Yep. I watched a little of the final – segment on YouTube and stuff like that where some of the celebrities came out and serenaded him and stuff. Some I understood, some I didn't. I don't know if you watched that piece or not. Mm. 
But like uh, his first ever guest was Billy Crystal. That yep. was his final guest. That's cool. I know uh, I know Oprah came out. I have no issue with that. That seems fitting to that. I mean big celebrities like that. But then also you have uh, uh, Chris Paul, the basketball player. You have Kim fucking Kardashian. What the hell oh, is Kim God. Kardashian doing? And from what I understand, the, the, the audience was stone cold silent when she showed up. Good. A lot of other people were like, got applause when you first saw them and stuff. Carol Burnett was there. That makes oh, sense. Oh, that's to great. Me. Um, and, and, and some other celebrities. Jack Black was there. Yeah. Guys like that. Guys that, who, who have an appreciation for, for what Leno's done there. Kim Kardashian, don't get that at all. No. Why do we keep making these people more celebrities than they already are? It doesn't make I, I, sense. I would honestly say, I think NBC fucked up on that. Because you got to think that either Kim reached out and they said, oh, that's a great idea, or they reached out to who they thought would be great choices. The Kardashian glow is starting to fall off God, big I time. So. The, 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 I heard that the numbers are down on their shows. People are starting to finally catch on. They're, they are talentless, have nothing, right. nothing talentless to go for. douchebags. Anyway. Leno. Um, yeah, Leno is now officially done. He did his teary goodbye and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I've never been a Leno guy, but yeah, that's cool. He's I mean, a classy he's, enough person, though. He, he really, yeah. they, again, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Leno. Right. And now Jimmy Fallon takes over. And I know you've never been a big Fallon guy. I think Fallon's a good choice here. I I, I, I like Fallon. If, if um, I, honestly, for me, of all of them right now, Jimmy Kimmel is by far sure, my favorite. Absolutely. I like I, I always loved Conan O'Brien, but TBS is just a weird place to go Conan find anything. Conan just seems more, yeah, out on the fringes yeah. of things. Con, Conan's always been, Conan and Andy Richter, to me, are just totally off the wall. Those guys feel more like they belong over in the buckets with, like, Jon Stewart's and well, and that's like that. They, to me, are are at their best when they're doing the sketch comedy kind yep. of stuff, because they're so off the wall. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing with me for Fallon is I just... I don't find him funny at all. So, but he he again he's classy. I heard you not you don't can't find a nicer guy. He's personable, and, and people will talk to him. That's his job as as the host. Yeah. So I, I don't have any issue with him taking over the reins. And God knows, NBC at least is trying to do something right and trying to get the younger audience. Yeah. Now I, I know a lot of that younger audience though watches Kimmel, so I, I don't right. know. Where are they going to pull it from? Unless people will leave watching Kimmel. I don't see it happening. And who knows what happened, how much longer Letterman goes here. I, I, I can't imagine Letterman hanging out for much longer. No, I, I can't either. Um, yeah, You don't even hear people talking about Letterman anymore. <sighs> no. that, that, that's Letterman's... just kind of... He, he's tired. He's yeah. had a few scandals, even though, uh, to, to give him credit, he's aired them right out. Like yeah. the the... the where do you like? He was caught having the affair. Yeah, and he turned it into the first news story the next day. Don't put. And that's the way to handle it. You get rid sure. of the story. Just own but it. He, own it. Do whatever and, and move on. He just always kind of came across as the guy that is a little full of himself. Yeah, and yeah, it, to me that he was very eighties. I don't know that he works as well now. I agree. Anyway, uh, but if you're Jay, Jay Leno's career, hey, you give him credit. And I think Fallon is, is a perfectly yeah, choice. and I will say this: Fallon's replacement on the latest show, Seth Meyers, is a great choice. 
Oh, right, right, right. It, that's yeah. going into that 12-30 slot. He's another guy that came out of the SNL thing. It's very, very personal. Uh, personable people seem to like. He, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Nobody's really talking about it, but is it time for a female nighttime host? I I personally can think I of mean, a the few. Only, the only person that I know that even that even remotely breaches into this territory is Chelsea Handler, mm-hmm. but her show's different anyway. Right. Um, you know who I think could do it, but she's too R-rated, is Sarah Silverman. Yeah. I think he can get people to talk, she can get people to relax, but I think that because she's so R to X-rated... Do you think, do you think Ellen DeGeneres ever makes the jump? Because it's a late night. I don't, she's certainly the queen of daytime now. Right. I don't know that she goes night uh, goes to the late night. I think her audience is more suited towards the daytime. I agree. She sort of sort of took the torch from Oprah. Yeah. And, and and I think her shows. I, I I've always liked Ellen. I think I think Ellen does a lot of good. Um, yeah. I, she's she's certainly personable. She's right. certainly and people are comfortable with her. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think she's funny. I've I, always thought Ellen DeGeneres is sort of funny. But. I I think that we will end up with a, a female host. I think we should. I just think they got to find the right person. And let's be honest. We would have had it 22 years ago in Joan Rivers. But she cut her own throat. <laughs> yeah, but she's more. She's also more Carson era, too. Well, well that's, but needs, that's like my a, point. is She was going to be A bottle of scotch on the table exactly. with her and stuff she like that. She was going to be the replacement. Right. And then she went and took that show was on Fox that had a one season run and Carson had always told her that all you got to do is promise me you don't go grab another show without talking to me first because yeah. I'm lining you up for it. And she went and accepted it yeah. and then called him the day after and he basically said you're dead to me and that's why she never ever ever appeared on his show again. Right. And nobody else has ever had her on that show. She's been banned for life. No, I don't think that life's going to be around much longer well, anyway. Yeah. Except for the plastic. I don't know how well that'll degrade. Right. <laughs> She'll degrade. All right, let's pause here. We'll uh, come up with a little What We Watched. Cool. Come on, man. Let's go to the movies. Let's go see the stars. <laughs> Cowboy heroes, cops and robbers, glamour and strife, bigger than life. Sitting in the darkness, what a world to see. Let's go to a thousand bees and wait and see. So, caught a few things, a couple things. things, and you caught a couple things. Yep. Um, you said you wanted to go first. I want to go first because actually, now you put that in, I'm going to change it and say what I played. Repay, going back to an article I wrote a couple weeks ago for the state of uh, massively multiplayer online role-playing games, I have been given an invite to the beta test of Elder Scrolls Online. And the game's finally landing in two months. The beta I played beta last night for about three hours. People, if they're looking for a new game, this may very well be it. It's going to... I don't think any game's going to kill WoW off. It's got too much of a built-in fan base already. But it is arguably the most beautiful online game I've ever played. It's very intuitive in the way it sets up. 
it's very open-ended. It feels exactly like a Skyrim game or any of the other Elder Scrolls games. It just has that look, has that feel. The only downside I can say is for people that are used to online gaming, a lot of people do everything with their mouse. This is very keyboard heavy, which doesn't work for a lot of people, especially if you have those people that are still somehow rolling out trackballs, which I, I... Game with somebody, Steve only, Archibald, who still only does. Only Marble Madness. Right. <laughs> Marble Madness, or if you want to find or, Centipede. Tabletop, all right, Centipede, that one Tabletop was, Football. Yeah, because you had to move around real quick. <laughs> I remember playing that when we went to Fun Spot. It it's was a like, great. It's, it was an aerobic workout. It was. A, yeah, we had a great time with it. You think you beat me seven to nothing in the final play of the game. But it, people aren't rolling out trackballs that much. If they are, this is not going to be their game. But, yeah, I, I, right now I can say at least for a few hours of putting it through its paces, this game's going to be gorgeous, and I look forward to it being rolled out. I know. Sorry, I just took us off on a tangent, but I no, thought no, that no. since I just had discussed this, sure. it's a, it seemed fitting. Segway into a movie. Segway into the movie. Well, <laughs> the first movie I, I will bring up is Runner, Runner, the Justin Timberlake-led movie. With uh, Ben Affleck, basically Timberlake plays a... And I like those two guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Gemma Arden, who I, I like me some Gemma Arden. Um, oh, yeah. Timberlake plays a college student who makes all of his spare cash off gambling online. And early, early, early on, so this won't be a spoiler... He basically loses $27,000 on one hand in the game of poker, uh, online poker because he, sa- he, he instructs people says the way to win is to find that idiot player who does stupid things and just feed off them. And That's he, my philosophy going into uh, fantasy football season. Yeah, you, you, you find the, the stock the league tools. idiots, yes. And, but what he finds is that this one is actually that he thinks is an idiot is rope-a-doping him. And he realizes right at the last minute as he's officially bet $27,000 everything. And think this guy's an idiot. Then all of a sudden the guy does the perfect play and outdoes him at his own game. Uh, it turns out that this guy was Ben Affleck who actually built the website that he was gambling on. Mm-hmm. So Timberlake go, basically goes to meet with him and, and becomes the runner, the, 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 the money runner. The problem with this movie is it, it feels like it's trying to give you this great insight into the world of online gambling, but you don't really feel like any pieces land. It, it either talks way above you or it just seems so illogical and ridiculous that you don't buy any of it. Um, I don't think it's helped by the fact that if you're going to tell me Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake in the movie, I'm going to say, okay, Ben Affleck's the lead. And, Timberlake is not great leading man material. You just don't... I, I've seen him do it. The only thing, I think I've seen him in is something he was in with Amanda Seyfried. In time. In time. And <laughs> it was all right, but he... They he, killed Olivia Wilde way too early. Well, there's that. <laughs> I got that. It, it just... He just seems like he's not really meant to be leading man. And he's talented. I like Justin Timberlake a lot. I respect the hell out of him. But you don't really feel like he settles into this role at all. So... It, it, it just basically plays out as an hour and 40 minute long bore to a certain point. Mm. You don't, you, you don't really, nothing about it's memorable. I can't even tell you many scenes from the movie at this point. Right. So, yeah, I. Is that more of a, a product of the screenplay than it is the 
I, acting talent? It, it's a combo of both. The screenplay itself was really kind of slow, kind of plotty. I, I give Timberlake credit. He's, he is a talent. Uh, no and question. He's one of those guys that, I guess, if you use a sports analogy, you would call a, a five-tool player. Yep. The guy can sing. The guy can play instruments. He can act. He can host. He can do all sorts of things. But I'll, I'll throw this out there, though. I think a lot of Timberlake's acting, that he's done his best work, is when he can almost get in music video mode, where things are a like little... with Lewin Davis. Right, where things are a little more overstated, yeah. maybe. Because in movie in music videos, that's what you got to do. You're selling yourself. And I do, this kind of role, overstatement wouldn't work. Mm. And it, it really didn't. And, but I would say it's more... It's, it's less about him, more about the script. It really was just a very slow paced, not much going on kind of film. That when it ended, you almost were like, okay, well, I just yeah spent an hour and forty minutes on this. It's not terrible, but not a great film. I put it around a two, two point five out of five tops. Okay. You won't despise it, but you're, if anyone ever went out and said, "I'm going to go buy that movie after they saw it," I really have to know what I missed. Right on. Um. I caught what a lot of people would argue is the front runner for best foreign language film for the upcoming Oscars, uh, The Hunt, with Mads Mikkelsen. I love that dude, um, and, and he's phenomenal here. And it's like I said, it's a subtitled flick. Uh, so if you got issues with subtitles, I say get over them because there's a lot of good cinema out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that requires you to read subtitles, but uh, uh, and the hunt is is certainly um, certainly one of the one of the better ones I've seen. It's basically Mads Mikkelsen is playing a uh, guy who works in a kindergarten, it seems like a daycareish, kindergartenish you know type thing, and one of the little girls in there, he he's is the daughter of one of his best friends. And he walks her to school, he does such and such and such. But one time, and she's six years old, and one time, you know, as kids will, will do, he she got mad at him because uh, he wouldn't let her do something or something like that. And she alluded to other teachers that I don't like him and such and accused him of showing her his wang and... In the movie, um, it, it's her brother doesn't show her the wang, but he's he's like high school age and his buddies and and they're 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 of the age where you know images on the internet are fascinating to mm-hmm. them and they're like oh look look Clara look Clara and this stuff and and they just run off joking, so that's where she got the imagery from, but goes on and accuses him of being inappropriate around her six-year-old well of course everybody is taking it seriously the six-year-old and it's basically and the guy never did a damn thing but this movie is about how he is so ostracized by his community and it's a small community and i should know where they're from i don't know if it, maybe i want to say maybe it's belgium or dutch or something and that, that's a fail on my part for not knowing exactly where they were from. But um, I want to say Mickelson is a Dutch, Danish. But but regardless, it, it's a small town in in where they're from, 
And it's just about how this guy is just, like I said, being ostracized by his townspeople. They won't let him shop in the grocery stores and stuff. They've completely taken the side of this 16-year-old girl with essentially no trial. He isn't even allowed to talk his, his side of the story and stuff. And, and I won't let you know how it ends, but, um, you know, it ends about a year down the road and, and you see where his life is at that point and stuff. It, it's really, it's a fascinating social and character study about, when we were talking about Woody Allen there, about in, in an argument or a debate about that type of thing, six-year-old kid in a completely immature, imaginative state of, of being against the word of an adult, who do you believe in no, that situation? It's real shaky ground. And it is. And and like I said, this entire village completely ostracizes this guy based solely on the word of the six-year-old girl. Who even at times throughout the course of this film admits that she... That it wasn't true and stuff like that, but they just they just chalk that up to that she's scared and all this kind of stuff. But they're taking the the word of the six year old girl um, verbatim, um, which I, I understand you have to take you have to uh, accept the seriousness of her accusations even as a six year old. But it seems like this guy never even gets his day in court. Um, but it, it's it's a fascinating study. It's a fascinating watch how this guy's life just just completely crumbles around him because of this accusation that's not even true. Hmm. So I, I I enjoyed the hell out of it. it it's definitely your indie art housey type thing. It's not you know nothing nothing blow ups. There, There's no wire work and fight scenes or anything. Hmm. But it's it's just a well acted great story. And if you can tolerate the subtitles and such, I, I totally go a good four out of five uh, for the hunt. And you actually got it right. Filmed in Denmark, Danish. Denmark. So, and I thought Mags was from Denmark, but I, like I said, I thought he was a Dane. I just wasn't yeah. certain. Yeah, and he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Oh, he's a great actor. To, to the point where he should have probably been in the discussion for a nomination, too. Uh, I, I, I don't think he should have gotten a nomination, but he certainly should have been in the discussion. So, good stuff. The Hunt. All right, then I'm going to take it down a notch again because I watched Escape Plan, the movie that came out for about two days with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I need to get into the isolation area. Okay. Good. <laughs> Favor? Sometimes famous drugs. Really? Let's see what you can do. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> you hit like a vegetarian. Try this. Hey? What's good? Look what's coming. my favorite part of that movie was he uh, st still the movie is basically that stallone is a guy who's has the most illogical job ever 
he he's paid millions to show how you can break out of prisons because he's the one that can test whether or not a prison is really escape proof. And in the beginning, you see him like he's a prisoner and do his little escape plan. He gets out and then he gets dropped to this other prison that basically has cells that are glass that are almost set up at four by four up on top of giant metal stanchions and there's constant guards everywhere. And as it progresses, then he finds out that not only is it almost escape proof, it's also on a tanker ship. So it's out in the water. So even if you did escape, you're not going to get out. But the entire movie is him trying to escape from this prison. He's befriended by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is a criminal inside the prison who somehow builds a bond with him and and he lets on to Schwarzenegger exactly what his intent is that it's his job to escape and the entire rest of the movie is basically one long attempt to escape from this goddamn prison um the movie's all right there's there's plenty of action in it <clears throat> it's not one of those it's way too over the top it's not an explosion fast by any stretch it's more fisticuffs that kind of thing if you like uh, Jim Caviezel, he plays the warden of this prison. I actually like Caviezel a lot. I, I don't mind. And there's something when he talks, just the way his voice sounds, it, there's this dark creepiness about it. He was great as Jesus. He was. He was. I actually kind of like Person of Interest, just to show that I, I don't I follow. Just, I don't follow it, but yeah, he's good. He's, they're, they're, it's, it's, a, it's an okay show. With Ben Linus. Yes, that's him. Um... But yeah, Escape Plan, if you're just looking for an action movie with a couple of the action figures you remember from the 80s, it'll work fine for you. It's, again, not a total shoot 'em up no real explosions, just a couple big dudes that seem to like to punch a lot. Do you, do you, as you're watching it, do you still have the feeling like that these guys are just too old for this shit? In this, they carry it well. I, I'll put it this way, I think Schwarzenegger, Stallone, yes. Schwarzenegger tries to be old guy in this. And that's why I think he looks better doing that. He's got this gray goatee the whole time. And basically he's just talking about how many years he's been in prison. And just like, ah, oh, fuck it. He's, he's been in long enough. He knows all the ins and outs. And he just sees this all as one good time to pass away. Uh, just pass the time while he's in prison. Fuck, I'll help you escape. It's not like it's going to get me anywhere anyway so he actually seemed like he had a lot of fun with it i miss schwarzenegger in the the old action movies i really had used to think they were a lot of fun and yeah they were terrible we knew that but they were terrible and fun at the same time it was 80s cheese this tries to capture 80s cheese i don't know if it gets that far it's it's a okay way to spend an hour and 45 minutes you certainly won't be bummed you if you spend a bucket red box was it better than the expendables 2 i you you got more i like no that's why i'm i'm trying to figure out how to answer it for me no for you i think you'll like it more i know i'm in these very drastic minority on, on Expendables 2, because I didn't I just didn't like the over-the-top cheesiness. I thought that it got ridiculous, and that, that that at times it was, I don't want to use gratuitous, because I'm not talking about the violence, 
But at times it just felt like they were trying to give you the same thing over and over and over again. Well, the problem I had with Expendables 2 was like every other line that's like, wink, wink, remember right. this? And that was <laughs> also know? the same knock I had. As much as I liked Anchorman 2. Right. The, the, the great Odin's beard or whatever from the first one. It works better fine. in comedy, though. Than... Right. But in, in Anchorman 2, they started doing it every five minutes. It was another... Olivia Newton's John's vagina. Okay, yeah. we get it. Yeah. You like these stupid things that are off the cuff, but you don't need to do it every five minutes. Yeah. I thought Expendables 2 was better. I actually think you'd like Escape Plan more. And I think most people would actually like Escape Plan more. I, I think the characters certainly play out well enough. Again, like I say, you just have to disconnect any disbelief around the fact that his entire career is working as the guy who breaks out of prisons. Right. I'd give it a three out of five. It was it was a good way to spend last night. Cool. Uh, the other one I checked out. Um, I, I'm I'm a fan of a good documentary. Um, I, I think there's some interesting ones out there, and I, I stumbled across one that's nominated for uh, an Oscar. It was on Netflix, I believe. Twenty feet from stardom. Mary Clayton was always the lead background singer, but she was always a little set apart from that group. Well, I am a sister who can sing. African-American women that have made their careers as backup singers as far back as like the Ray Letts with Ray Charles, uh, um, all sorts. And they've got the actual women on here uh, who sang backup for, you know, Sting and The Who and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and really, there's like five or six of them that have done just about freaking everything you can think of. And they've even got this one family in there called The Waters. And it's a brother and, like, I don't know, three sisters or something like that. And they're they're going through some of the stuff that they've done. And, like, even on the Lion King soundtrack, you know, when you get that big opening, that, that's, they're the background singers for even stuff like that. And all this mainstream stuff that you would never even think of. Um, and it's just a fascinating look at how these people are so integral 
to the finished products and how they're really admired by the the front of the stage acts. And they had a lot of people on there. They had uh, they had Springsteen on there. I think they had Sting on there. They had a whole bunch of different of, of heavyweights out there talking about these people, like how instrumental they are in making that final sound that they're really looking for, even though that they're the they're the front of it, and these people are just sort of shoved into the back. And it explores how some of them want that are doing this as a stepping stone to try to achieve the stardom, and some of the ones that are perfectly happy just being who they are in the back, knowing that they're still leading a pretty cool life touring around with all these people. It's a great look. I like music <coughs> documentaries anyway. Um, I mean, it's no Sound City, but it's really, really a fascinating look into the minds of these of these people, primarily these women, who have done this their entire lives. And um, sort of the main person in it, whose name I can't remember, of course, um, was recently actually elected into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, cool! Um, and it's just absolutely phenomenal because because these are ab- these are phenomenal talents that are stuck back to these microphones. There was even this one girl, and she's trying to make it on her own as a soloist and, and stuff, who, who was part of the whole Michael Jackson uh, big tour before uh, that they were prepping for before he died. And, and as I'm looking at her, I remember seeing her in that uh, This Is It mm-hmm. show and, and stuff like that. So uh, it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really, really informative about the lifestyle that these people have led. Um, it, Definitely, I, I'm really kind of pulling forward to win the Oscar for Best Documentary, but who knows if it will. I don't really know who the front runner is there, but a, a great thing. If you like music uh, of all genres, it's definitely a fascinating Well, I know. I, I love Sound City, so I'll check it out. Yeah, no, it, Sound City was just... that. I do get into the history of music. That, to right, me, is it, such it, a it, fascinating thing. And there's a lot of... of history to be had in this Mm -hmm. and what's great about this is that it's actually being told by those people um so yeah and i want to say i saw it on i can't remember if i saw it on netflix streaming i think i saw it on netflix streaming um 20 feet from stardom excellent excellent cool so we will break here one last time and we will come back and we're going to talk about george clooney jorge clooney jorge clooney and Sort of his career uh, as a director and actor, and then we will sort of wrap that whole discussion up with a discussion of his latest, The Monuments Men. Yes, sir. The fog's just lifting. Throw off your bow line, throw off your stern. You head out the South Channel, past Rocky Neck, Ten Pound Island, past Niles Pond, where I skated as a kid. Blow your air horn and you throw a wave to the lighthouse keeper's kid on Thatcher Island. And the birds show up. Black backs and herring gulls, big dumb ducks. The sun hits you. Head north, open up to 12. Steaming now. The guys are busy, you're in charge. You know what? You're a goddamn sword book captain. Yeah, this is, uh, Sid. Oh, Sid. Sup, bro? Don't ever do that to me again. 
Get ready, we're gonna go see your grandparents. And Scotty, Eddie Esther's gonna come watch you. Dad, Sid's coming with us, okay? Yeah, listen, Sid, uh, what's going on this week is really a family matter. You understand? Sid's not gonna be interested in meeting your grandparents. He's gonna be bored stiff. Dad, I told you that he was gonna be with me. I'll be a lot more civil with him around. What can I say? Mr. Doyle, could I just borrow your charming fiance for a moment? Okay. You gonna leave a deposit? <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to? Something you won't understand, Miles. How and I am very much in love. I don't know what you're thinking, but I have to warn you. The Massey prenup has never been penetrated. You signed the prenup. You can't get his money. Thanks for the professional help. Marilyn, think of me for a moment. Not as an attorney, but as a friend. Does that mean you won't be charging us for the hour? Dump him. You can't nail his ass. Is that all? No, that's not all. I can get the part from Bristol. It'll take two weeks. Here's your pomade. Two weeks? That don't do me no good. Here's Ford Auto Man's brush. Hold on now. I don't want this pomade. I want Dapper Dan. I don't care, Dapper Dan. I care Fop. Well, I don't want Fop, goddammit. I'm a Dapper Dan man. Watch your language, young fella. This is a public market. Now, if you want Dapper Dan, I can order for you. Have it in a couple of weeks. Well, ain't this place a geographical oddity? Two weeks from everywhere. Forget it. A dozen hairnets. George Clooney. You a fan? Yeah, I, I actually am. I I had to warm up to him a little bit because, as you know, I can be a little. I I I I'm somebody who suffers from backlash when it comes to people getting becoming like that big sexual icon or whatever else. And when people <laughs> started getting fault? into no, and that's why I it, I I I had the same thing with DiCaprio when it was a bunch of t- bunch of teenage girls screaming for him. Eh. But taken as far as an actor, great stuff. Great stuff from both of them. I, I, I really come around. I love Clooney as an actor. I like Clooney as an actor. I do. Clooney's just one of those guys that, that looks like he'd be fun to just sit down and throw back some He seems with. cool. He seems cool. And we know he, he's a member of the card-carrying liberal, liberal politics and stuff. But uh, he doesn't strike me as a cram-it-down-your-throat no. kind of guy. He just is. Oh, hell. He did... Play characters on South Park. We're talking to a guy who didn't take himself too seriously. Um, but what I what I've discovered, what I I guess I've come to think of Clooney as an actor. He is a good actor, but there's like two types of Clooney, and he's sort of starting to veer into that Tom Hanks realm of oh, it's, it's George Clooney, Clooney playing yeah. somebody as opposed to... I, I'm and I certainly that felt that today. Absolutely, I felt that today. Um, but there's like two styles for Clooney. He could be a really good actor in in a subdued role like I think he was in The Descendants. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the other side of Clooney where he almost feels cartoonish to me in his facial expressions and yeah. his... Ad- uh, oh, brother, where art thou? 
Leatherheads. Um, there was another one I thought too that sort of that sort of fell into that that realm where he's just he'll get like the big eyes and the in the that kind of thing. He he feels like that a lot of times too. I I, I don't know that There's... Clooney has. This is going to sound weird because and I don't know how to quantify it. I'm not sure that he has any range outside of Clooney. You know what Clooney reminds me of. He's old-time vaudeville actor. Exactly. And, and He is. And you just say, well, it's Clooney being Clooney, but we love, we love Clooney. But we like that. So it's fine. And, I mean, you go to, like, a W.C. Fields, we're really getting old-time here. But at no point did you see anybody on the screen but W.C. Fields. Right. I'd even go John Wayne. John yeah. Wayne was John Wayne everything he ever did. Right. And but you either like that or you don't. You like John Wayne. Um, and, and Clooney certainly, he just has that old-time vaudeville feel. Now, and, this year, like, like when I was talking Tom Hanks, I felt like Tom Hanks was able to, I don't know, reach a little beyond, beyond his Tom Hankiness. And everybody, and I think it's funny because you and I brought it up, and apparently we're not the only ones, the, the final ten minutes of Captain Phillips it's, especially, it's phenomenal. You, that you're not watching Tom Hanks no, at that point. no. And it, to me, was arguably, and I've seen a whole lot of Tom Hanks movies, it's arguably one of the best acting jobs he's ever done. Absolutely. That 10 minutes, I was Absolutely. just, found myself tearing up for this guy who'd been through so much. Um, but in the, in, the, in the vein of Clooney, I feel like um, it, it's the same thing. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm watching George Clooney. Right. And I don't, I don't feel that Clooney brings anything really different to the table acting in anything he's doing. Now, what he's doing is good, mm-hmm. but there's nothing. I can't look at any Clooney performance and go, "That was transcendent." You no, know? no, no. <laughs> it and, was and honestly, in my favorite role I've seen him in would be The Descendants. Mm-hmm. And even that role was as much about the situation and Shailene Woodley and I'm losing the girl who played the younger daughter. I remember her name. Oh, Scotty, Scotty, I know. And, I but they were such good, good roles. It was, and it was more just the character he was, and that was just so seemed so likable and almost well, unfortunate. Alexander Payne script, it, fan, it was just fantastic. It was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and like I don't understand why some people are turning against that one right yeah, now. Turning against it, I don't know. Um, I mean, Clooney has his detractors for sure. Um, but yeah, everything he he does, it feels very George Clooney. Yes. And, but it's it's sort of like you know that going in. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe because he was so subtle in the Descendants that. Maybe that's what he needs to do to get the critical acclaim that I think he deserves. But then he jumps back out of that role, and then he's back to that vaudeville guy, like you said. That's a perfect analogy of, of the way of his style, because um, there's a, half of his movies feel like that to mm-hmm. me, and the other ones just feel sort of more reserved. Up in the air, The Descendants, uh, even Intolerable Cruelty. Sort of veering From dust into, till dawn. Right. Felt sort of... Intolerable Cruelty was sort of like a half and half to me. There was like uh, 
some some subtle subdued Clooney, and then there's like you get that you fascinate me. You know? But I will say yeah. this: what I like about that movie is I thought he had chemistry with in with, with, uh, oh, with Catherine Zeta with Jones. Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh. Well, I know how could you not have chemistry with that? Jesus. But but I I did think that there was something in the way that they they spent time together. It really seemed to work. He's just has a likable quality. Yeah. And, and that's what I don't want to see. And, and I, I kind of threw Dustin Dot out there jokingly because that's before he was George Clooney's. Everyone knew it. We're talking, well, I know he did other roles before, but not the least of which was Facts of Life as the, the, I the, him in that. the maintenance guy. Basically, he was their Snyder. Um, but the fact of the matter is. For the most part, he's always played roles that you just like the guy. Yeah, and and I think that even when he was a di- even in Up in the Air, he's a dick. Mm-hmm. His his job is to be a dick, but he's a likable dick, right? And and it, it, he almost needs to be that. I don't know how it would work if he was to ever try to play like a despicable villain part. Because even in From Dust Till Dawn, but, but, he wasn't the gross one of the two. It was Tarantino. The only villain I could see him playing would be exactly like you were saying with that volley, that, that snidely whiplash with the, <laughs> right. knee, with the twist in the mustache. Something so over the top yeah. that, it, that it just seems ludicrous, right. but it's fun. Right. Um, no, I, I, as an actor, I enjoy watching George Clooney. Do I say to myself, ah, oh, new George Clooney... Uh, a new a new film with George Clooney in it is coming out. Gotta see it? No. No. No, because I know what I'm going to get with Clooney. I need to know more about what, what the overall picture is going to be. I'm not just going to jump right in and say, oh, it's Clooney. Right. Um, yeah, he's not somebody that's selling a movie to me. Right. By any stretch. Right. Apparently he's selling it to the old people, though, because... From what we saw today. There's a lot of people, a lot of... Uh, we were the young ones, I think, in, in this flick, yeah. uh, in The Monuments Men... Which we can segue into as far as his directorial efforts. Right. Um, and he's really had... This was The Monuments Men being his fifth big mm-hmm. movie, and we'll get to that one. But we can look at his earlier four, starting out with Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I love this movie. I, I dig the hell out of that. Um, and a lot of that, though, is Sam, Sam Rockwell, Rockwell. <laughs> nailing... He gets Chuck, Chuck Barris... Perfectly. And there's a great shot about the middle of the movie where Chuck Bear had that weird little dance he did yeah. uh, on the gong show. And he, he nails, it. nails it. The little fist pumping and everything else. Right before it brings out Gene Gene the dancing machine, I want to say. Yeah. And you're looking at it going, he's got Chuck Barris. He yeah. captured it. It, I mean, I used to love, as, or you both loved and hated the Chuck Barris stuff, but I, I watched the watch shit the out of show it. all the time. The unknown comic to me was great. And, yeah, yeah that, that Confessions of a Dangerous Mind was definitely a very, very, very good flick. But, but I don't. Visually, I enjoyed it. I think oh, yeah. Clooney has a good eye for, for a film. Mm-hmm. I, he, he, he edits well. He, um,. He directs his actors well, and I think visually, it's it, they're really I- engaging films. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And, and I found myself absorbed with Confessions of a Dangerous Man. Yeah. It was a movie I 
once I started it, I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. I didn't want to take a pee break. I didn't. I just wanted to get through that movie again. Yeah. And this is the second time I watched it, and I can. I, there's a part of me thinking that I would love to see what's on it for extras on the Blu-ray because I would. I would love to see what else is out there. I could see owning that flick. Right. It's very, very repeat viewing worthy. Um, and then he went into uh, and did. Uh, I don't know if he did. No, he did Good Night and Good Luck. Uh, yes. Shot in black and white. Mm-hmm. Is this the one you haven't seen of his? This is. I haven't seen all of this one. Okay. I have. I've seen enough of it that I know exactly what it is. Uh, basically, the story of Edward R. Murrow, the journalist who is really sort of credited with taking down Senator McCarthy and his, uh, you know, communist scare that that he was trying to basically trying to do a, a, a lynching of anybody that was suspected of being a communist. How uh, ludicrous! It, it kills me to actually think about that. Yeah, the 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 manhunt, the total witch hunt we were on for something that stupid. Right. Um, and, and again, shot very well. This yeah. is um, some earlier. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in this. David Strathairn, which who was nominated for an Oscar for his performance as Murrow, is absolutely phenomenal. So here's another film of Clooney's, who he's just getting another. Uh, otherworldly performance from an actor shot in black and white so it felt authentic well and that's, it was definitely intended to feel like the old time newsreels and it it had that look he he nailed that and it, it's a great film for anybody who's sort of a, a historian of that era and is interested in 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 that McCarthyism and in that era of politics and all this is, it's not, it's a very subtle film, a very deliberate film. It's not, uh, it's basically just all dialogue interspersed with clips of Strathairn as Murrow. And then there's some actual original clips mm-hmm. in here of what was happening at that time. It, it was from a history perspective, it was fascinating to watch. But again, Clooney as a director nails the tone and the feel and visually it's just it's an appealing film to watch then you move into probably his least critically acclaimed film and i think is i think it's a little underrated leatherheads Uh, i would agree it's underrated um it's underrated in that it's it's a fun watch it's not not a great film no by any stretch and again it's this is more cartoonish Clooney to mm-hmm. me. This is the same stuff you're getting in Old Brother where Art Thou and stuff like that, where he's just got the weird facial expressions. This is another vaudeville act yep. thing. And, and the era sort of ties into that whole thing. Well, I, I, I gotta... You said something earlier that had I really hadn't considered, but you're right. And that's... It does seem like that's Clooney's world he lives in. Or that he likes to direct it, and that's historical stuff. And I would certainly say even Confessions of the Dangerous Mind, consider it's the whole idea that Chuck Barris claims that, or claimed, that he had been a CIA CIA agent and had killed 30 plus people. And there's no way to prove or disprove that, I guess. Is Barris still alive or he died? I've assumed that he, I assume he's dead. I honestly I don't, don't know. know. I don't know either. 
But this, you're right. Clooney seems like that's his comfort zone. Is to, to try to he's teach in, people a little bit. He's into the history. He's into the scandals and the yep. conspiracies and stuff like that, which is cool. I, I don't have any problem with that. No, but Leatherheads, I I, I enjoyed Leatherheads. Yeah, it, it was and, it and was again, lighter viewing. And but, again, it, it, there's nothing distracting about the film where you're saying like where you're questioning why the director did this. And oh, yeah, no, no, no. He has a good eye for for what you want to see on on film. Yep. Um, and then, uh, what was, uh, oh, the Eyes, Eyes of, of March, March, which I saw and I really liked, but I saw it a couple of years ago and I don't remember as much about it. I know it's another political It, it, it is. Thing. It's about a governor doing a run for presidency. Right. Uh, which played by, uh, uh, Clooney. Right. And Hall is his assistant and basically Hall starts seeing the dirty underbelly of the political world that... No matter how much you respect these people, they're all dirty. It's how they get to where they're going to go. Um, this film, though, is full of some great, great actors. Giamatti's in the movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman's in the film. Right. And it's, Ryan it's, Gosling. Right. Yeah, did I say John Hall? Yeah. I did. I'm sorry. It was Ryan Gosling. I confused those two big time. Because they look so much alike. I think so. Right. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm throwing up. No, it, Eyes of March, though, it, it's it's a great, great take on politics. Yeah. And like you say, it's, it's again, it, it seems to be his theme. You're not looking for any, it's not a fast-paced film. It's very dialogue-driven. It just gets into basically following people through this really like sketchy of thing. Like most films. Yeah. And it plays, and it plays out great. I thought it was a fantastic watch. And what, what I like about his films is that you get characters in there. You get characters right. that you're interested in hearing more about. Um, even if even if they're not fully fleshed out as much as you'd like at the and end. That was my knock with Leatherheads. Is the, the way he does characters, there's a few that I would have loved to have seen him delve into a little right. more. He can't. I acknowledge that. He can't give you a football team worth of characters and flesh them out completely. Right. So... But he does seem to get character. He, he he has a great idea how to show character. Now that said, did he write the Monuments Men, or is he credited with writing some of the Monuments Monuments Men? I don't think so. I thought he was. I know he usually collaborates with uh, his. He has a partner. He seems to collaborate with a lot. Grant Hesloff, uh, who actually uh, I think I saw him in this movie. He was the. Uh, the surgeon who kept telling him, yep. oh, the guy's going to be all right, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, he'll be all right. Get the chaplain. Pretty, he'll be fine. I'm pretty sure that was Grant Hesloff that uh, played that, and I meant to check that in the credits, but it looked like him. Um, but he's he's been a collaborator with Clooney on oh, a lot you're of right. stuff. You're right. Uh, writers George Clooney, Grant Hesloff, and they took it from a book by Robert Edsel and Brett Witter. So let's, let's get into a little spoiler-ridden discussion about... Clooney's latest directorial effort, The Monuments Men. You want to get into the war? Monuments Men. Time to put a team together and do our best to protect buildings, bridges, and art before the Nazis destroy everything. How many men? Six. Jesus. Well, with you at seven. That's much better. So you want to go into a war zone with some architects and artists and tell our boys what they can and cannot blow up? That's right. Aren't we a little old for that? Yes. 
We go through basic and then we wait for orders. Basic. A little help. Basic training. <laughs> oh boy. Destroy an entire generation of people's culture. It's as if they never existed. We got company. Frank, we gotta go. That's what Hitler wants. And it's the one thing we can't allow. So we get to shoot some Nazis? It's your responsibility now. I've never shot at anyone before. He really wanted it all. Better get it back. What have you got? I seem to have stepped on a landmine. Why did you do something like that? What do you got? Lieutenant here seems to have found himself on top of an unexploded mine. Why would you do that? You all have been spending too much time together. Um, and... After saying, after just saying that he's he's big into character, I felt that we had a lot of great characters here that we never really saw fleshed out in any yeah. degree. It, this I did not hate the Monuments Men, but the Monuments Men was an extremely clunky ride for me. A lot of points in there. I'm like, well, why is that even there? What was the point of the German guy with the gun? Yeah, and the, and the, 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 with the smoke break. Yeah. Yeah, no. There, there, there were a lot of scenes. And, and you and I, you whispered something to me about when did Goodman oh. get hurt? Oh, and yeah, Because yeah, all yeah. of a sudden he's walking with a cane. And the only thing we could assume is with they, the gun. They gun shot fire. the artist. But. Right. And maybe he got hurt going in, but they didn't show it. No. So there were scenes they had here that I don't know why they were here. There were a lot. There's a lot of that. And I don't even know why. During the scene you referenced with Hesloff as a surgeon, they told us that was the Battle of the Bulge because we saw nothing of the Battle of the Bulge. It was. It could have been any scene at any army camp right. during World War II. Right. So I'm. I didn't hate the movie. I didn't hate the movie because because well, and I think a lot of it has to do with the, the cast is fantastic. Um, and you know who I li- actually found myself liking a bit in the movie was Bill Murray. As douchey as he can be, I didn't mind him in this. I I thought the casting choices across the board are great. You got to love John Goodman anyway. Oh, absolutely. And he certainly plays John Goodman in this. It's John Goodman. And, I like the cast a lot. I think that the script probably could have been beaten a few times. I, yeah, like I said, I, I felt very clunky all the way through. A lot of things are just, they're just going from scene to scene to scene, and a lot of things just don't really make sense yeah. of why you're tying, what you're trying to tie together to make this story. Um, you know, at times it felt, it basically felt like Ocean's Eleven going after art in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of scenes, like I said, like the German guy that that that, that and, and even um, shit, what was that, that scene towards the end? I'm like, what was the point of that? Um, the 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 guy dying on the table when Haslock was a surgeon. What was the point of that? Yeah, the only th- yeah, the only re- the real point of that scene actually seemed to be around the Bill Murray getting the the, the phonograph. 
recording. Right. It, but if that's the case, then you didn't need to show anything of the guy dying. Right. The only thing that came into play there was the, the kid that they brought on because he could speak German. Yeah. Was the one holding the guy's hand is basically watching this guy die. But it's war. So this can't be the first time he's seen anyone die. You're, they met him in Normandy. Well, the scene when um, uh, Goodman and Desjardins uh, had the sniper that turned out to be the kid. Mm-hmm. All right, whatever. But that was a waste of three minutes. I know a scene that I'm still not certain why it was there. The one where they go to the German guy's house to find out he also had the paintings. That yeah, was like a yeah, five minute it. long yeah. scene. What was the point? Then they had him in the car and we never saw him again. Yeah. What was the point? I have no idea. There was just a lot of a lot of segments of this that were pointless. A lot of things that probably could have had some good context around them and could have been used if there had been some sort of, of narrative bridge into tying us up. This is what this is. It felt like a bunch of scenes about these guys, and there was no narrative context that tied any of it together. This was a case where they directly translated from a book, and it doesn't work. Because I guarantee the book was written around them talking to these old guys. And then they said, oh, I remember this time that, I can't remember the character's name, the little dude, went to a German guy's house... Mm-hmm. Because he, we were referred to him, and he realized this guy's got paintings, the actual paintings we're looking for, on his wall. From somebody's collection, they said, great, we'll use it. That's fine in a book, because you understand right. that you're getting a lot of just coming up snippets. But in a movie, there's a certain flow. And if you add scenes that, that just seem extraneous, then all you're doing is bogging the movie down. Right. And that, yeah, that scene, I kept waiting for something to come out of it. Just nothing nothing ever did. seems to tie anything together in this movie. Now, the scenes themselves are good. Mm-hmm. They're, they're well acted. Um, they're, they're, again, Clooney, as a director, captures the right framing, captures the right pace of, of the moments while you're seeing The them. look of the cities that they were going yeah, into that have been leveled were fantastic. It was great. And it was even fun the shot watching of landing Bru- on Normandy. It, yeah, mm-hmm. and that was kind of cool. Um, but the... Even Bruges was awesome because it looked... Yes. Because I'm like, I remember... And Bruges. It like Bruges. <laughs> <laughs> There's Bruges. They're filming Bruges somewhere around here. Go find out what, what's going on. Um, yeah, it's just... This is this one here struggles definitely from, from a script uh, uh, concept. It felt like it could use a, a bit of punching up. And, um, it, was, and it was a good two-hour flick. It, it, and it started to feel like two hours. It, it started to feel like two hours. And it's unfortunate that... There's a lot of stuff in here that I just didn't feel needed to be in there. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you had no time to connect some of the dots that were in this. Um, another thing I'm not sure of, and, and this may be a historical thing that I'm just not, that I'm ignorant to, but in World War II, the Russians were on our side for the most part. So I'm not too sure what the big hullabaloo, oh, yeah, the Russians are coming at the end. Yeah, I don't fuck if the Russians are coming. They're on our side that, here. Right. The war is over. I not that either. I know that they, they now I, again, I'm no World War II historian. And I know the Russians are kind of. In we the were end, reluctant allies, I'm sure. Right. Because, I mean, they'd had their share of issues too. But. What Germany did to Russia, namely like St. Petersburg, was just insane. So 
they I got that they were moving in, but I don't know why the Russians would have cared. Well, and unless it was because they're t- they were supposed to leave things as is, so technically, right. then the Russians would have owned those pieces of art. I guess. I guess. And if that's what it was, then fine. They should have said that. Right. But well, we gotta get the fuck out of here, but we got time to put this flag up. Yeah. <laughs> that was just that was a little corny. Some of the circumstances you found these guys in were just a little too convenient at times. Um, I found that they could move around cities way too easily. I I found that that they really, there was really no, nobody in charge of them. Mm -hmm. That they were just able to do, they weren't getting a lot of cooperation from from other units, from other U.S. units. Um, and, And technically, Clooney was the leader of this unit. But yeah, they seem to just have carte blanche to get around and do whatever the hell they wanted to do. But I, I would be curious to see if that is accurate, because wasn't he carrying a letter from the president proclaiming that he could do what he needed to do when he was there? Right, but the, the first general... They said no. They <laughs> said no said, fucking way. Right. No, you, you're asking me to tell my guys who've been over here fighting right. against these Nazis... For for a few years, you're right. telling me that I'm going to tell them no, you can't shoot there. But you didn't you didn't get any sense <laughs> other than that one little scene like that, and it even really doesn't fall into this. But you never really got the sense that they were like outcast at any no. at any at any point. Nope. Like that they were like oh, they're just here doing what they're doing. I found it interesting that they just kept commandeering different vehicles and everything else yeah, too. Yeah. They, like what. Their <laughs> movements around around the European countryside were way too easy and convenient. You know what this movie did a shitty job of doing? Huh. Showing the time. How long they were there. Yeah. Because they were able to go from country to country to country, and it seemed like overnight. And I have no idea yeah. of really how long that this group was over there. Because yeah. the only scene... again, it, it, again, I think it just ties into that whole clunkiness, and there's no narrative mm-hmm. tying it up. I look, I, I look at it like um, in uh, the Game of Thrones books, the George R. R. Martin books. If you've never read them, mm-hmm. but each chapter is basically a different character in what's going on in that character, and that's what this movie felt like to me was was a Game of Thrones book. The show is great because it can it takes the stuff out of the book and gives you narrative context around that and ties it all together. If you just read the book, oh, I just read 20 minute Tyrion, boom. Daenerys, boom. Cersei, boom. And, and stuff like that. And you, in your mind, when you're reading a book, you can tie things together right. yourself. But if you film it verbatim, then all you're getting is just scenes... That you haven't tied together, mm-hmm. and that's that's just what it felt like to me. Like you said, it, it was entertaining in that I enjoyed all these scenes, yeah, except the ones that really had no had point. No, and, and even though the one at the house was an interesting scene, sure, but, but pointless. It, when you sit back and watch it, you go, "That's right, that was in there. He was in the vehicle with them when they left." Yeah, what happened to him? Right? Did did they turn him in? Did they turn? What's the deal? Right. And, and, and there was just too much of that. It, the, yeah, there, there was things to like about the movie, and certainly the crowd we, we were in seemed to be appreciating what they were getting. Um, they were There were some funny scenes. There's certainly there some couple, comedy sure, here. Sure. And I will say, I never got the sense of whether or not this thing was supposed to be a comedy or a drama. I didn't and take it as a comedy. I, I took it that it was trying to be a lighthearted drama. 
Uh, well, I think it, I think because it it's trying, such a ludicrous idea. Well, it is, but it, it is a true thing. And I, I sort of I sort of get the sense that they were trying to be respectful of what these men did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just uh, I don't know. It just didn't didn't fully connect with me on that level. I I I think there's a really really good story to tell here. I'm just not sure they told it. In a really, really good way. I'll bring another scene up. There was a scene when the, the, the Russian leader was making his guys hurry, 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 loading art into his own trucks. And that was never alluded to either. So what, were we supposed to think this Russian guy was good or bad? Right. He's Russian. We get that. Right. But he's Russian coming into Germany, a part of Germany that was given to Russia. To, um, to take control of, well, things were unsettled. Well, we haven't even talked about Kate Blanchett's character here yet, either. It was there, and she was, she was on and off and kind of cast off. I know, I, I... Again, very standoffish towards distrustful of everybody in the beginning. Which I get. Sure. I mean, I... I but then all of a sudden, she wants to bed Matt Damon... Out of nowhere. After talking about Paris is a place that you can find many good husbands. Yes. What kind of good husband says, you know what? We just met. I'll fuck you tonight. Right. And look, I, I get that in war, there are many guys that have, or and women who have gone overseas and at some point will end up with somebody that's not their significant other for one night. Happens all the time. Every day it's happening. Right. But the way that they could talked about her character... It was like she was this supposedly this big honor person. That yeah, seems so totally out of place. Right, they keep they keep presenting her as this like traditional French madame yep. that, that's into all of the traditions. I mean, she and was pissed that he, he didn't and show she up. Didn't wear a tie to her. Exactly. She said uh, the, the dress code at my house is formal. So he comes with a nice button down shirt and pants, but no tie. And he is military guy. Chances are he doesn't have a three piece suit with him. Well, he had a tie on when she told him it was formal. He could have just worn the military outfit. True. <laughs> I mean, this is as good as it gets. I've got everything that I right. own that I can carry. Um, but that it was just a weird scene where she's making him put the tie on, and 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 I get that later on that's when she finds the tie hanging from the thing. It's it's all kind of corny, but I know a lot of a lot of stuff just felt forced into this because they knew they needed something to explain this, but it was also lacking in that a lot of shit just happens in this clunky, you know, dink 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 dink, and nothing there to tie it all together. You know, there's two scenes I struggle with that involve Kate Blanchett. The first is when she goes home to find Dr. Schultz or whatever yep. his name is in her apartment. Stahl, I think. That's, yeah. And he, he makes the comment about that he'll strip the place right down yeah. and find, and then left. And you won't be fired. You'll be handed over to the SS yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, but then, then he leaves. He yeah. knows she's got the stuff. He's, he's got, right. She's got information and just left. So I'm watching it going, is the point of the scene to make us realize she really is on the Allies' side? She's just one of those unfortunate people who's been in a shitty spot where she, a lot like, and this is going to be kind of a bad example, Inglorious Bastards, where Chick finds herself having to turn her theater over to all the Nazi brass yeah. because, unfortunately, we're occupied. 
And you have to go about your daily life, even though you've got different people here. This case, she was a was a curator at a museum or whatever else. Yeah. So she had to work for the Nazis. They didn't kill her. So her her task was dealing with that. Well, the other whole... scene was the one when they're leaving in the middle of the night on the train, and he starts shooting at her. Oh yeah! Apparently the yeah. worst shot ever. Well, and, and she's uh, apparently she knows he's right. the worst shot ever because she's, she's not even punch. blinking. Yeah, I, I was looking at that too. I'm like, you know, he's shooting at you, right? You, so, you know that. I, I I literally was so. Is he shooting blanks? I, there's I, no, there's not even a spark of it hitting anything, right. and he's she's standing behind a fence, right. a metal uh, rod, yeah, chain link, and. <laughs> something yeah. no it was just I, I didn't get any of that I don't think it played I don't think it did a good job of explaining what the hell was going on right and then later on they well you know it, he left in the middle of the night well okay but that was an hour ago right. so maybe you need to give context an hour ago as to what was going on yes because she understood it this film lacks context for the audience you know what it needed I think would have been narrative during if they'd had a voiceover doing some quick narrative if she'd said and there i watched the nazi scum taking our possessions and leaving in the middle of the night like cowards we would have gotten it yeah instead it was just him hopping on a fucking train and it just felt weird and there's just a whole lot of that it seemed like it was missing that narrative to bring her from scene to scene and it was just left hanging out there for you to fill in the blanks right and just the lack of character development. Oh. We n- we never know why. Especially in the I didn't know their names, dude. Well, right when they're when you don't know their names when they're actually uh, gathering up the dudes at the beginning to go into this, it's almost like okay, you're asking people to give up their their safe home lives to go into World War Two, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds like fun. He just rounds them up like like Ocean's Eleven style, yeah. like 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 there's. I did find myself going, did none of these guys right. think there was no maybe, pushback at all? Maybe I need to warn my family. You know, I'm going over there to find art, right? And I'm going to the battle fronts. Yes, we're going into cities that have been occupied that we're pushing the Nazis out of, but there's still resistance. I'm going in there to find artwork. Hope it works for you guys. Right. No, every single one of them was like the greatest thing that ever happened to them. Right. If that's the way the real people were, God yeah, bless just, them. Just, <laughs> right. But it just it, that yeah, that made no sense to me. And I literally found that during the credits, that was the first time I'd heard seen some of the names of these guys. And I'm sure they said them at some point, but I don't remember. I couldn't tell you what right. Bill Murray's name was in it. Couldn't tell you what Goodman's name was at any point in this movie. No, I, I just don't know. His, his uh, Clooney's Jean Claude. That's what. He's yeah, a French guy. And Clooney was Blake. Bl- no, it wasn't even that. I don't freaking remember, dude. They they didn't do any of that. No, and honestly, I don't know that they did a good job of showing why they were chosen. It's like Goodman was chosen. He's a sculptor, right? We got so? that because he's he's at a skull. <laughs> he's still making because a he's, sculpture because he's he had he's one scene where he stood up right. after blowing. You see dust come flying from the back of the he- uh, neck of a sculpture, and he stands up and accepts the the uh, Western Union telegram. Yeah, and Bill Murray happens to be <laughs> at the side of a building looking at some plans yeah. and turns oh, and there's an architect. <laughs> he's an architect. <laughs> yeah. No, it could be dude just out there window washing for all we know. <laughs> yeah, there was there was no there was just no 
context around why these guys would even jump at the chance to do this. Yeah, right. It's certainly a noble cause. I guess, sure. Um, But you don't, there's no development of any of these people out there. So it makes all of those scenes where it's supposed to be heartfelt and and sad, like when any of the characters die or something, and you're just like, okay, I don't don't care. I mean, yeah, it's too bad. I mean, they're they're all likable dudes, but I don't know anything. I I don't know why you give a shit about what's going on. Yeah, exactly. There's no investment in any of these characters. Um, It's unfortunate. I, I think this is Clooney's first miss as a director, Misfire as a director. Um, again, likable. Yeah, I didn't... Well, and that's the thing is, it's going to sound like I hated this movie. I did not hate this movie. Right. There's enough to hold on to here, and like you said, he does have an eye for the right shot. Right. When it got into going through the war-torn areas, that was some great stuff. It sure. looked... Really good. I found myself literally going, wow, how did any city bounce back from this? Um, But I really wanted to love this movie. I I did. Months ago when I heard about it, I wanted to love it, and I I just can't. It was one of my most anticipated from last year until they moved it into this. And clearly, I think now we know why they moved it. It's because they knew it wasn't going to be able to compete. It it just wasn't what they thought they were going to have. Right. Um, Yeah, I, I... just from the, the structural inconsistencies, I can't give it more than a two out of five. Yeah, I, that's where I'm leaning. Two but, out of five. But probably one of the more enjoyable two out of fives right. that you will get. You, you'll get frustrated, but when you get beyond the frustration, there is something here. Yeah. And I, I think that if they just had punched the script up a little bit yeah. and, and, and made, got rid of the extraneous scenes and kind of connected scenes yeah. better... You could have easily had a four out of five on this film. Sure. Because I, I think they had the right pieces in place. They just didn't follow through. Correct. So that's the Monuments Men and our discussion of George Clooney. You know what's next. Uh, the one we look two forward weeks, to. Two weeks from today, we will get together and we're talking the 2014 Oscars. Yeah, it will be our Oscar Palooza. Oscar Palooza is right. Pretty much uh, all Oscars all day. But again, including our can't miss predictions for the big, the big uh, six. Big six. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I love that podcast. That's that one's a lot of fun. Yeah, we we definitely come in very prepared. Yeah. So that's in two weeks. Uh, that's all we got for this episode, uh, and we will see you again next time. Late. <laughs>